When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With more inside black and gold, WWL sideline reporter, Saints sideline reporter Steve Geller, along with digital content producer Jeff Nowak. Uh, remember, subscribe to our show, Inside Black and Gold, wherever you listen to podcasts. Jeff, an interesting uh, note from what was that Saturday session was hearing from Jarvis Landry talking about uh, CD Deuce, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And getting to battle him every day at camp, you know, the Cajun Cannon, our Bobby Bear, asked Jarvis Landry about what's it like to face a guy like C.D. Deuce. See, let's set this up. But he, yeah, he, he asked him that. And he also asked him, like, you know, what kind of reputation does C.D. have around the league, you know, that you were kind of aware of before you uh, got to the Saints? And uh, it was kind of a funny moment. The receivers around the NFL, what do they think of C.D. Deuce? Like before you were a teammate of his now. Yeah, he was, he was one of the players before my before I got here. My mom was like, watch out for 22. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, you know, he, he uh, being here and, and, and being around Chauncey um, and, and seeing the, the passion that he has for the game and, you know, how much he loves life, you know, and um, the way that he plays the game, you know, he's one of the most competitive people that I've been around. Um, and uh, that's something that is, is contagious. That's something that you can see other guys feed off of, um, and that's what you want on your team. And uh, and I'm happy I'm, uh, I got a chance to I get a chance to play against him, compete against him in practice. I'm I'm getting better already. I, I thought that was funny, you know. And, and it's yeah. So people know about him. People warn you about him. Uh, it, it reminds me of when the when the Saints played the Bears in the playoffs in 2020, after the Javon Wims game. Um, can't remember who the coach was for the Bears at that point. It was Matt Nagy. There you go. It was Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. And he kind of talked about how, like, they had actually talked to the wide receivers. Like, they had, like, came up with a plan for, okay, C is going to try to get in your head. How are we going to stop this from happening? And who was it? The uh, Was it Mooney? No, it was... Um, Wims? Not Javon Wims the second time. Oh, this is going to bug me if I don't remember it cut <laughs> cut that cut that cut anthony miller it was anthony miller the second time it was ejected and it's like they actively talked about this this was something that they went took out of their game way plan for, right took time in practice <laughs> and discussed how to not get 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 kind of taken for a ride by cj and cj's kind of antics and cj's kind of get in your head uh, mentality still got to still had to play get ejected for throwing a punch um, and Javon Wims dropped what should have been a, you know, easy cupcake touchdown pass. And I still give like CJ wasn't uh, playing defense on that play, but it, he was playing defense from inside Javon Wims head. I think it's still rolling around in that brain. Exactly. And that's, um, that's the beautiful thing about Gardner Johnson. Yeah. And you, you ask all the players too exactly what, 
what is he saying to these guys on the field? And I wish I could hear more of it, but you don't really get to hear that close up uh, of the drawing going on of what exactly he's saying. But it really just somehow he is able to get under the skin of everybody. And I know we talked about this before. It's like he wants to be no more as the best slot corner in the NFL, not not the best trash talker in the league. But boy, yeah. he, he has got some game when it comes to, to dishing on people. Well, yeah, and then he has such a reputation that Jarvis's mom is aware of it, and <laughs> Jarvis's mom is warning him about it. But, you know, that was kind of the funny part of his comment. But I think the rest of his, his comment was interesting too, which is he said that he's already be a better player for going against CJ and for working with CJ and kind of seeing how hard CJ works. And, you know, if you remember the hard knocks uh, from a few years when it was with the with, uh, on Cleveland, and Jarvis had that, you know, long kind of spiel in the locker room about how everyone needs to practice and everyone needs to work hard and practice. And like, so he's not a guy who's going to pull punches when it comes to effort level. And, you know, to hear that from him, to hear him kind of go on about how a guy's working hard and, you know, how a guy's like insanely dedicated and is working that hard, you know, that's telling, you know, that's not, you know, people just say stuff sometimes, you know, that means something when it comes from Jarvis Landry. And we've seen CJ in practice. He's not pulling any punches either. He's taking it to the house, you know, and, and he's a fan favorite for a reason. And that was the loudest cheer of the day when he picked off uh, Jameis on that opening play. And I think kind of, you could say kind of baited Deontay a little bit uh, and, sure. and took it to the house. I think one of the things that is an advantage for the Saints outside of having a really talented secondary is the receiver's have to work on a daily basis against this really talented secondary and these like really physical corners who are going to make you earn everything. And I think one thing that people tend to ignore about the NFL is these players are still getting better. Progression and development is very much a thing. You are not a finished product in year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in Jarvis case, even like eight, nine, 10, right? Like he's saying he's still getting better. And that's, that's part of the game that you have to consider, you know, like when, when people come at Cesar Ruiz for just not being, you know, what everyone hoped he might be in year two, you know? Yeah. Okay. I get it. But also, you know, the saints are still committed to a guy like that because they know they can develop him. You know, and I think Jari Evans coming in and working with him is going to help. But I think that's something that when you hear Jarvis Landry say it should resonate um, and good on CJ, he's, he's got a fan in, uh, in Jarvis. And hopefully, hopefully Jarvis's mom. And what we're seeing already from Gardner Johnson, uh, f- hearing him talk in the during mini camp, and just seeing what already he's doing for this training camp, you can tell he's pretty fired up heading into this contract year, as you'd expect him to be. Yeah, if there was anybody who was gonna who was gonna want to show out uh, for a contract year, it's gonna be <laughs> CJ. I don't even want to know what he might be saying to people. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to have a big year and he's a massively important player. You know, we talk about that five game losing streak um, that the Saints had last year. And it was a part of the season where the defense seemed to struggle in ways that they did not struggle for the majority of the season. And if you remember, CJ went out uh, in the first half of that Falcons game, right. the first game of the losing streak. He came back against the Jets. <laughs> so, you know, that 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 absence coincided with a five game losing streak. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and I don't think it's I also don't think it's a coincidence that the defense really, really clamped down in the last few games of the season. Shut out Tom Brady. You know, they've also played the Jets and the Falcons and the Panthers at 
a time in the year where all three of those teams were full-blown tank mode. So, you know, that is a caveat, but you still shut out the Bucks. You know, you still held the Jets and the Panthers, I think, to single digits. And I I think he deserves he deserves some credit there. Uh because you know it's not I don't I can't I, I'm gonna say this again. I don't think it was a coincidence that he goes out for five games and the defense kind of struggles and goes and the team goes on a five game losing streak. You know, it's easier to it's easy to look at the offensive side of the ball, but he's a massive part of that. Yeah, especially last year too. The how many, you know, dings this team took uh, all over the board when you look at the positions, and then to lose not only a key position positional player on the field, but also his his attitude, his swagger, that the that part of the juice boys mentality. There, uh, he he definitely is a huge piece to everything that defense does. Yeah, and speaking of guy who was dealing with injuries last year, we talked to Adam Troutman this week. I know you wanted to get into a bit of that. Here's a here's a clip from Troutman kind of talking about how, you know, one of the things that really stands out for him this year is he's not dealing with anything. There's nothing lingering that's slowing him down at camp, which was that was the case last year. He was dealing with a cyst prior to training camp that he had to get removed, and he really only had a week to get into shape. He said he was only putting up, I think, was it 60 or maybe 80-pound dumbbells which sounds like a lot to me but for him uh he kind of smirked and said yeah that's not what he's normally putting up uh and and that's not the case this year and i think we we've definitely seen him kind of assert himself and uh, here's what here's what adam had to say just coming to camp i feel like i'm in shape obviously last year i had probably a week and a half to get ready for camp after missing about two months with the surgeries i dealt with so yeah i feel much much better last camp i was probably 10 pounds less than what i usually am and all that type of stuff I mean, I think before I came out last year, I was benching like 80 pounds dumbbell. So that's not that's not normal for me. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel I feel really good. Yeah, and I think you've I think you've seen that just kind of comfort level and health, and just being able to to build that rapport with Jameis and and Andy. And I think that yeah, it's year three for Adam. Uh, he has a lot of motivation to kind of show that. He deserves that kind of TU1 spot. And I think he's going to benefit from having a healthy Nick Vanette, kind of taking out all those blocking assignments. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what you've seen. Yeah, to me, that he's one of the guys definitely for me for this first week that has the, the arrow going up next to him, which is a great sign. Uh, dealt with a bunch of injuries last year, uh, hampering his development. And I think that, yeah, we're seeing now a healthy Troutman, a guy that's in shape, uh, not not dealing with any lingering ailments in a camp that uh, he hasn't really been a part of an offseason program because of the COVID experience either. So that's been huge too. Uh, j- just a lot of good positive surrounding Troutman. And I think that's definitely a guy I have got out on an eye on for this season, having that quote-unquote breakout year. Uh, hopefully we can see an improvement all around because I thought even his blocking suffered last year when he was hurt as well, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're when you're kind of kind of working through stuff, everything kind of gets a little more difficult. Um, oh, believe me, I know. Well, every when you're in pain, there's nothing that you know. You, you, everything just weighs heavier on you. Yeah. So what when you say a breakout, you know, what would you consider for Adam Troutman? Like at the end of the year, kind of season end numbers. What would you consider to be a quote unquote breakout season for for Adam? I'm I'm hoping for somewhere around like a 700-yard kind of season from Troutman. I think that 
you know, his involvement more in the passing game is going to be needed. And even with a guy like Taysom Hill uh, in this mix, I just feel like he he is the TE1 that's going to be seeing more of the snaps on the field in all situations and just all, uh, probably around six, seven touchdowns uh, I would want from him too. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm pretty, pretty high on Troutman heading into this season. And I don't know if maybe those are overinflated numbers or too high expectations for him, but I just definitely think that's something that he's capable of. Uh, big target, fluid movements on the field that you just see uh, has to have that concentration more when it came to some of those drops last season, I know we're disappointing, but uh, once again, pointing to the the health I'll, I'll go to, but this season, I think he puts that all together and is able to translate that into a big year. To me, a breakout season for Troutman, yeah, would be in that range. You know, I think what you want to see is him be, him show the production level that, as we mentioned previously, I think uh, in an earlier episode of this podcast, you, you saw in the Atlanta, Tennessee, Philadelphia games, right? He had about 14 catches, 147 yards over those three games. Doesn't sound like a ton, but, you know, if you kind of take that down and extrapolate it over 17 games, that pace would be about 65, 70 catches, about 800 yards, you know, one touchdown every three games that would put you at about five or six touchdowns. And, you know, that to me is what you really would hope for out of Troutman. And that would be a big, a big season for him. Tight ends get hurt. It's probably unlikely he plays a full 17 games. So you're, you'd be looking at, you know, some, somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 catches, 600 to 750 yards, and to be a weapon in the red zone um, and get those five or six touchdowns. And if, and if he did that, I think he would end up being a top eight tight end in the NFL. Um, but I, I, it's really going to be a question to me of how much, how much of the ball you can spread around because there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed, hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> right. everyone's healthy and you, can, and you have that dilemma of, oh, man, I wish we could get Adam more involved. But, you know, Mike's catching 10 passes a game. Chris is catching five passes a game. Jarvis is catching five passes a game. We only throw it 25 times. Uh, you know, there's only so many, you know, so many, uh, so many options. But, um, and I didn't even mention Kamara, you know. So I think that just the consistency for him is going to be the biggest part. Yeah, and we, we heard him mention uh, that too as well. He's trying to find that consistency in year three. Uh, I, I definitely – see that that more of that confidence from him this year. I'm sure being healthy does that for you. But when you consider, too, where this guy came from, a uh, small school like Dayton, his development in the NFL, at least I expect it to take a little longer. And I think maybe a, there were too high expectations heading into year two and coupled with those with the injuries just led for a lot of disappointment with people. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying about development. Like, there's a tendency to just not – to see what a guy does in year one, year two, and then be like, okay, that's them as a player. They can't get better. How could they get better? Right. Well, why are we at camp if these guys can't improve? You know, why, why, why are we doing all these drills? There's a reason for them, you know? And, and I think that especially year three and four is, is super important for, okay, those first two years, you're learning how to be a pro. You're learning how to play in the NFL. Um, you're trying to get opportunities. Now you have the opportunities You've had that time to kind of rep, to kind of train, to understand what it takes at the NFL level, and now you have to put it in action. We would have loved to see that happen last year. It, it didn't um, more often than not. And so this is the year where you want to see it happen more often than it doesn't. That yeah, was really confusing, but I think you understand what I'm saying. You know, you need to flip that where you you have more down games than you have up games, 
now you want to have more up games and you have down games. And that's, that's, that's what development is. You know, that's what being a more consistent player is one guy. And I, I I'm, I'm killing it with segues today. One guy who we never have to worry about his consistency because he's always there. He is the new infinity stone of the NFL, the time stone of the NFL, if you will, Mark Ingram. We've talked about this, you know, I'm, I am skeptical about just how much he can provide in his year 32 season. I'll probably be wrong because this is a guy who just never seems to lose a step. Uh, and that's kind of been your, can been your takeaway on it. Um, but, you know, we talked to him about being the second oldest running back in the NFL. And uh, Pete, <laughs> Pete, Steve, can you name the oldest running back in the NFL? Oh, I remember uh, we talked about this and I know he's basically more of a special team guy on the Indianapolis Colts, but the name escapes me at the moment. So basically, though, Mark is the oldest, you would say, quote unquote, starting running back because this guy in, in Indianapolis is really just a special team. Runner. Well, it was Adrian Peterson. It was Taiwan Jones. No, or maybe he's yeah. the Patriots. Is he still active? Taiwan Jones is 33. So this was last year. <clears throat> it's either it's either Taiwan Jones or Ken John Barner. I don't know if either of those guys are still in the league. Let's see, I'll, I'll I'll trim this down. Here. Yes, Taiwan Jones. He is 34 years old. He is a running back and return specialist for the Buffalo Bills. He would be the oldest. Mark Ingram is the second oldest. Um, but as uh, as we heard from Mark. He is kind of tired about everyone talking about how old he is. Mark, do you feel like uh, the second oldest running back in the NFL? You feel more like <laughs> you ready to roll? You just got. Man, it. What's up with y'all, bro? Like, <laughs> no, nah, bro. I feel good, man. Um, obviously, just a lot of uh, experiences, a lot of opportunities, a lot of years, successes, failures, um, all those things. You know what I mean? So, I don't feel like the second oldest running back in the league. I do kind of find it funny that I I am the person who is questioning uh, Mark because we're the same age. And I think Mark is probably a young 32, and I would consider myself to be an old 32. That's, that's what he said before. He's like, I haven't been used a lot in my career, so I'm a young 32. But I feel like they all say that too. Yeah, I have a lot, I have a lot of tread on my tires. And maybe, you know, I think probably what it is is I'm like, man, if I was a running back in the NFL at age 32 – Heck, if I do when I do anything at age 32, I feel old. I'm like, man, I used to be able to do this a lot easier than I did now. So yeah, I, I'm I might be projecting. That's what I'm trying to say is I might be projecting that my age 32 NFL season would not be nearly as uh, confidence inspiring. Hopefully, but, Mark Mark Ingram's more like a Frank Gore 32. Yeah, well, that's he is the new Frank Gore of the NFL. That was you know something about Frank Gore. He just was able to play forever and not only play play at a high level. Like we mentioned, Taiwan Jones. You know, he's the oldest running back in the NFL, but, you know, how many how many carries in his career? Let's see. Let's see the touches for Taiwan Jones in his career. 44 career rushing attempts. Wow. Yeah. 18 catches. So 44 rushing attempts, 183 yards. Lightly eight, used. 18 catches, 251 yards. He has one career receiving touchdown. That's it, right? So, like, yeah, you can play a lot longer in the NFL when you were averaging, you know, one rushing attempt per season. Um, but yes, yeah, Mark Ingram, on the other hand, 
Let's see where, where he is, which because it is really incredible. He's the career rushing leader for the Saints. Obviously, we all know that. He has 1,755 rushing attempts for 7,878 7, yards. Good old 7878. Uh, 64 career rushing touchdowns, another 287 receptions for 2,057 yards, and 10 receiving touchdowns. Right. So that's where, you know, he can say he hasn't been used a lot. I'm going to challenge that. He wasn't used a ton early in his career. He was splitting time. And he even said that that kind of annoyed him and he had to kind of get it grow out of that. Right. Um, but he's he's got some tread left on those tires, but there's a lot of tread that's been used up. That said, I do like Mark Ingram. I think he's looked sharp and strong and fast at camp. And so, you know, if he is able to be that kind of legit backup running back, the same way that Frank Gore was later in his career, um, you know, maybe maybe that de- the depth concerns that I have at running back is unfounded, but I'm not ready to go there yet. Maybe if we see him in the preseason and he looks sharp uh, against real guys with pads on, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll change my tune. See, yeah, I'm I'm still one that worst case scenario, obviously, with Mark Ingram, uh, with uh, Alvin Kamara, we're forced to miss him for the first four, five, six games of the season. I'm still a believer that Ingram at 32 years old can be that guy that fills in for that bulk of time while while he's out just because. Um, how good he is in the running game, physical. He's a good physical runner. He helped you with blocking, and he's and he's a good receiver out the backfield. I think he's he's an every down back. And sure, the, the age issue will be a little bit of a concern with you, but he he's looking more energized this season. I know he he dealt with some foot issues last year. What's kind of concerning me is so so six games is a long time, and that's kind of where I'm going with it. Is <laughs> if you end up having to rely on Mark Ingram as your top running back for six games. Does he have the juice in the tank to, to, to lead the backfield? I think that he he can be a, a, a really good, you know, change of pace back still. But, you know, so you look at the games where Alvin missed last year in Tennessee, 14 carries, 47 yards. He did have a touchdown. That was probably his best game. Uh, four catches, 61 yards. Then Philadelphia, 16 carries for 88 yards. He missed Thanksgiving game against Buffalo, right? So that was two games. He played pretty well, but then he got dinged up, you know, and that's that's what you're concerned with. It's it's is that load too much for a 32-year-old running back? Because behind him, if you're going into that game with Tony Jones Jr. or Malcolm Brown or whoever, man, that starts to get bleak real fast. Um, you know, when he came back against Dallas, 10 carries for 28 yards. Uh, he and then he didn't play against the Jets. I do wanna I do wanna make sure. I know he missed a game for COVID. I don't want to make it sound like he he was hurt in the game if he... Um, Who was that? Tony? No, 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 Mark. So, yeah, the game against the Jets, he was not hurt for. He was on the COVID list. So, and, and Alvin was back for that game. And they obviously won, and Alvin had a great game. So, that I don't want to, I don't want to put that on him for that. He missed the Buffalo game for health. He had a knee injury. Jets was COVID. But, yeah, and, and uh, what were you saying about Dwayne Washington? I just think he's a guy that kind of can fill in in a pinch as well during that stretch along with like a Mark Ingram. I just, I I think he's a tough runner. He always is physical inside. And I know his his role has mostly been special teams, but I feel like when he has come in for this team, when needed for, to run the ball, he's done a decent job. I I know he had a a hundred yard rushing game one year against the Carolina Panthers. I think. Did he? I'm going to have to look it up now too. (laughs) I'm thinking you might be thinking of Ty Montgomery. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He had 11 carries, 108 yards. It was the 2018 regular season. 
Okay. It was, uh, you know, late December. So it was week 17. Yeah, that was that game. That I think Teddy Bridgewater started. Yeah, it wasn't. I, you hate to call it a meaningless game kind of thing, but it wasn't. It wasn't a meaningless game. <laughs> uh, there yeah, is I no mean, meaningless football. Yes, there is. When you don't start your starting quarterback, it's a meaningless game. <laughs> if Drew Brees didn't play in it, it's a meaningless game. Uh, but it, it's not meaningless for Dwayne. Right. It's not meaningless for Teddy in that circumstance, but for all intents and purposes, it was not a game that in, mattered in the standings, and that's why you didn't play Drew Brees. You didn't play Alvin Kamara. I don't know if Mike Thomas played, but and they lost that game. They lost 33-14 to 14 to a very sad Panthers team. But, yeah, just, just looking real quick, I know it's it's been a limited sample side, but sample size for Dwayne Washington, but he's averaged 5.2 yards a carry in a Saints uniform, uh, in a Saints uniform which is a nice number, obviously. I'm just, I'm just saying if you end up having to trust Dwayne Washington in the run game, then you're in trouble. And that's where my depth concerns are. You know, you see a lot of teams where these they have they're bringing in young backs that, you know, you feel like like you look at the Cowboys with Zeke and then Tony Pollard, you know, you know, the Bills, they had Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. You know, I don't see that the Saints building their depth that way. And that's where I get concerned with the depth concerns. They haven't drafted a running back since Camara. Um, and then I think that's a really weird way to approach the draft. Maybe Abram Smith can be that guy. I'm, I have high hopes for Abram Smith. But this segment got real long. Let's cut. We're going to go to the next the next round of questioning, which is going to be, who's the most underrated player on the Saints? I have a good answer. Uh, I think it's better than Steve's answer. But we'll, we'll get into it. 